I was reading this portion at home one day, I don't remember when, and I got my piece of paper, as I do sometimes, <coughs> you can see there, and I wrote a few notes. And quite interestingly, at the top, after having read this portion, I just wrote a little title at the top, um, which would fit quite well for, for this message today. Tell me about Jesus is the message that, or the title that I'd written after thinking about and reading through uh, this portion in John's Gospel. It's quite interesting that there are a number of things that we will learn about Jesus as we read these verses. So it's uh, from our, our text is from John chapter 1 verses 1 through to the end of verse 14. It won't quite perhaps be as organised as I would have liked um, due to the shortness of the, the time to, to be ready for this. But um, we will learn some bits, um, so just work through uh, with me and uh, we'll see how we get on. So the first thing that we will learn about Jesus is that he was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So we're told twice there that the Word was there at the beginning, and we know that the Word is a title that is given to Jesus. So we know that Jesus was there at the beginning. So is that the beginning of creation? Is that the beginning of our time? Is that the beginning of eternity, if there is ever a way of marking that? But God and the person of Jesus, we can take from that, is eternal. And that is one of the characteristics, isn't it, of God, that he is eternal. It's often described as the incommunicable or one of the incommunicable attributes of God, which means it's an attribute of God that he has that we can't possess. We can possess love, can't we, in a degree, but we can't possess eternality. We are not eternal. We were created at a point in time. The good news, though, is that whereas we are not eternal through all time, if our souls are eternal, thus far forward, if that makes sense, we will have uh, a soul that lives hereafter. Now, that asks us the question, doesn't it? Where will my soul reside for the rest of, I was going to say time, but outside of time? Will it rest in heavenly glory with Jesus Christ and the Father? Or will it rest in damnation, in hell? So think on that point. Whereas God is eternal, we are not eternal, our souls will live on. So God was there in the beginning. Verse 3 also helps us understand the power of God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made 
that was made. So not only was Jesus there in the beginning, he is a co-author of all creation. So, whereas we can look beyond time and see Jesus, we can also see at the beginning of our time, Jesus making this world, developing this world. And we even remember those words, don't we? Let us, plural, make man in our image. So man was made in the image of God and one part of that Godhead was Jesus Christ. So he was there at the beginning. He is eternal. He is part of creation. He is the creator Again, that just tells us about the power that God has because how were things created? And God said, and it was so. So the very words of God, the very breath of God created this world. The very breath of God sustains this world. The very power of God keeps the world turning, keeps everybody um, moving and living. We're doing our best as as a as a as a as a people, aren't we, to to destroy the world that God has created? But God has made everything, and God made it good. So the world is good. Man is doing his best to sort of ruin it, and sin is as a res- as a result of the fall of man. Sin is causing the decay in this world. In the beginning was Jesus, resulting or, or, or responsible for creation was Jesus. In verse 4 we also read that he was and is the light of men. So not only did he exist before time, he then created the world, but he is the light of the world. And we know that that is more than the the physical light. When God said, let there be light, and there was, he created the light. We know that it is, the and then the creation of the sun, it is more than that also. It is the light, in a spiritual sense, lighting the way to heaven. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus Christ the word, not just the words of scripture, but the very word whom the scriptures are based upon, lights the way to heaven. You see that sometimes, don't you, in, in um, some of these sort of uh, war situations where there's, there's, there's like a beacon of, of, you know, like a flaming beacon to sort of mark a path for people to follow, to escape, or, or even to sort of guide planes down in the darkness We live in a dark world. Verse 5 carries on, and the light shineth in the darkness. So Jesus is the light of men, the light in this world. And the light shines in the darkness, but we read the darkness, comprehended it not. Sinful man does not appreciate God, but God is the light, lighting the path, lighting the way. Jesus lights the way through his life, through his ministry, through his death, through his Um, perfect offering 
So we've seen and learnt three brief things there. That God is eternal. He was in the beginning. Jesus was involved in creation. Jesus is the light of men. We also can learn about people, especially in the Bible, from the names that people have. Um, it's always helpful if you come across a character in the Bible to find out what their name means. Um, I've got a book at home I'm just uh, working through, and it's called uh, on, on, on Ezekiel, and it's called God Strengthens, because that's exactly what the name Ezekiel means. And if you read that book, Ezekiel needed God's strength to help him through. So names are very important. We have um, examples of that here. We've seen in verse 1, haven't we, that Jesus is called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. So that's another title that he takes as as the Son of God. Uh, He is the Word. And the very Word, the Gospel message, is, is Jesus Christ. In verse 14, we read, And the Word was made flesh. So, we haven't exactly got a name given to us there, but when he was made flesh, he was given a name, wasn't he? Thou shalt call his name Jesus, because he shall save his people from their sins. So when he was made flesh, as we have read in verse 14, he was given the name Jesus, which means Saviour. So he is the Word, he is Jesus, the Saviour, and the verse carries on. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. So we have Jesus in this short portion being called the Word. We also see his name Jesus, the Saviour, through he, the fact that he was made flesh. And we see the, the title Emmanuel. He dwelt with us. So we can draw comfort again from these things, can't we? We learn more about him because he took on flesh. He became Jesus, the Saviour. And he dwelt with us. So he didn't just leave us. He dwelt and was with us. Now, jump back a little bit to verse 10. We see a little bit more about Jesus. And this verse 10 breaks down very nicely into three little parts. He was in the world. And we've already seen that, haven't we? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us in verse 14. So he was in the world. And the world was made by him. That takes us back to verse 1 and 2 and 3 about how God was there in the beginning and how God was responsible for creation. Uh, Jesus, sorry, was responsible for creation. So he was in the world and the world was made by him. So he was in the world, he made the world. Uh, That just makes the final uh, part of the verse more outstanding. And... The world knew him not. It's quite staggering when you think about it. He made the world. He was in the world. And the world knew him not. 
And that is the important lesson that we need to take here, isn't it? We need to make sure that we know who Jesus is, that we know Jesus as our saviour, not just as the man, but as the saviour of our um, souls. Do we trust Jesus to take away our sins? Do we call him Emmanuel, God, with us? The world knew him not. Why then did the world know him not? We again have an example of that in verse 5. Um, the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, didn't understand, didn't believe, didn't trust. Their eyes were not opened. Verse 14 sort of develops that point, and it's almost, again, John, uh, the, the writer here, explaining further how they've missed the point. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John knew exactly who he was. We beheld his glory. So not only did he come into the world... But the world saw the glory of Jesus, the glory of the one from heaven. Full of grace, full of truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. So he was full of truth. And that truth being that he is the only way of salvation to believe on him to take away your sins. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is full of grace. And we, we often use that term, don't we? And we understand that it's to mean that God blesses when we don't deserve it. There's nothing that we deserved in terms of our salvation, but God blessed us by sending Jesus Christ into this world. The very fact that he came into the world was a great act of grace because he came into this world for that one purpose, to live the perfect life, to then die the perfect death, to offer himself in my place. And for my sins. That is grace. Somebody once described it as God's riches at Christ's expense. He gladly gave himself for me. And John again says, and we beheld his glory. It was evident to those who were there at, at the time, who were physically there, the glory of the Lord. But people chose not to see. And so true today, isn't it? The glory of God is all around us and people choose not to see. We said that God, uh, Jesus, was responsible for creation. Creation is a very witness of God. He had a forerunner. We, we read in there, didn't we, about John the Baptist, not to get the two Johns mixed up. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John the Baptist, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light 
that all men through him might believe. So John the Baptist was sent months, literally, or years, perhaps, before Jesus to start preparing the way. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The whole Old Testament is full of the prophets pointing to the Messiah coming. The very fact of light in creation points to the Messiah coming. The prophets of the Old Testament, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, pointing to Christ coming. He had a forerunner in John the Baptist. He had forerunners in all of the prophets. He had forerunners in the very act of creation and the very light that is in this world. He was in the beginning. Creation, as we look around, bears witness to God and also specifically to Jesus Christ. He was glorious. He was gracious. He was full of truth. These very acts bear witness of him as well, don't they? Of his creation, uh, of his uh, greatness, his Godhead. So we can see that there is plenty about Jesus that we can learn. The important point I said there before is that he, um, we read in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And John is trying here in these verses to say the world didn't know him and the world is missing these major points. He ex- he, he's outside of time. He is eternal. He is the creator. He is the light of this world. He dwelt here among us. He became flesh. His name means saviour. He will save his people from their sins. He dwelt among us, Emmanuel. The world knew him not, even though he made the world and was in the world. And John said, even then, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. He was full of grace. He has blessed us beyond measure. He is full of truth. And in him, as we read in verse 4, in him was life. Now, John there wasn't talking about life in this world, the physical life. Because as verse 4 qualifies, and the life was the light of men. So he was the life. He gives life. And this is the eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have eternal life. The alternative to eternal life is eternal death, punishment in in hell. And this is what Jesus came to do, to give life eternal to those who believe, to those who trust on him, to confess sins, to say sorry for our sins and to trust in Jesus Christ alone as the one who can take away our sins. In him was life. Now we have two options again here, don't we? We trust that Jesus Christ is life. I am the way, the truth and the life. Or we don't. 
And then there are two outcomes to that, aren't there? There are those who do trust will go to be with him in glory and those who do not, who will um, spend eternity cast down into hell. Read these verses and meditate, think about them, what John is saying. Jesus came into this world, he took on human flesh, became a man. We don't fully understand these things, do we? We we can't because we're not God and we do our best to try to understand as best we can, accepting we will never understand as fully um, as as, uh, God does because we are not God, we have limited minds. But God was made flesh, took on human form and dwelt among us. So look to the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the one who came into this world. And as we were looking in the communion service this morning, how there was darkness over the land for those three hours. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was because he was bearing the sins of his people. Full of grace, full of truth. Tell me about Jesus. He is the creator. He was there in the beginning. He is the light of the world. He is the life of this world. He is full of grace, full of truth, full of glory. And he is my saviour. And I pray, Lord, that the Lord God, might, Jesus Christ, might be your saviour too. Confess your sins and trust in him. Amen.